Hello and welcome to another episode of the Deaf Think Podcast with you, your hosts, Nicola and Sean. And today we have yet another links episode for you guys. So Sean, hit it off with your first link. All right. My first one is a blog post called Foot Candles, The Different Paths to Tech. And it's an interesting story. There's something called Foot Candles, which has to do with measurement of light. And you might learn it in photography school at least the author did. And she talked about how it's something that nobody really uses because digital cameras measure light for you and everything's automatic and people can do things with all kinds of tools. And later on in her photography career, she ran into someone who who was already doing photography at a high level and had just learned about um, this concept of foot candles. And it was brand new to them. But to her, it was something she learned like in the very earlier early days of learning about photography. And now she's also in tech and she kind of sees a parallel here, kind of what we were talking about with imposter syndrome, where to that person who says, hey, have you heard of this thing called foot candles? And you're like, yeah, I learned that in college like years ago. They might say, oh, wait, you know all this deep stuff and I don't know it and I'm an imposter. You know way more than I do. But in reality, nobody uses foot candles. The only reason she learned it is because she learned it in school when they taught you a bunch of useless stuff that you didn't really need to know, and she's never, literally never used it in her entire photography career. And if you compare that with someone with a CS degree, computer science, compared to someone who's self-taught, the person with the CS degree probably knows a lot of stuff that someone like me would not know. And if I talked to them, I would probably end up feeling inferior during the conversation. But in reality, those things don't translate to them being a better developer or being more effective than I am. And they may not even be things that are useful for knowing. If they were that useful for knowing, I probably would have learned them over the course of doing my job. So, interesting uh, article. Uh, awesome. You actually brought up an interesting topic that we probably could do, you know, another episode on. And it's... So, <laughs> I laughed because I still remember those six or seven types of math that I had to do on my in my university, which honestly, till this day, I don't know where I use them so you know there's that however what I can attest to them doing for at least for in my case is they kind of like taught us how to learn with you know this vast amount of data that we or information that we had to know anyways yeah so okay my first link is called how is my first link called yes (laughs) my first link is called Conversations with a six-year-old on functional programming. So you've got this guy, right? And his kid walks in and he asks him, Hey, Dad, you know, what are you reading? And he's like, oh, okay. So I can't just tell him, you know, something. I really want to tell him something, but what do I tell him? And anyways, not to go too deep into explaining it, um, So he was, you know, reading, he's a math guy and everything, and also he programs and stuff. So he tells him, I'm reading a very long story about three theorems. Okay, and the little guy is probably, you know, curious, and he goes on, so what are three theorems? And then one thing led to another, and they started, well, dad started kind of like teaching him, okay, so, you know, let me try to explain to you how functions work. You know, and then they end up playing a game where, you know, tell me what number, for example, do you need to add 
into a certain function so that you get an output out. And mind you, this is a six year old, you know, so good props to that who wanted to get down on his level to actually bring this concept closer to him. And this actually made me think and I was like, you know what? So my daughter is like four. What if I start to try or, you know, try to teach her how to add things up on this way, this kind of like fun way. And I can, I'm very happy by the way, because now we're every time we go get in a car, she's like, let's play math. And this is fun, right? Because in general for kids, math, is something that's supposed to be, you know, scary, bad, whatever. And what we're doing is we're playing a game out of it. You know, we're making a game out of it, which I love because, I mean, I like math, by the way. And I really want to kind of like pass this on her as well. So we're playing a game. You know, what if you have two popcorns and I give you one more popcorn, right? And with her fingers, she calculates. However, what I noticed then, I asked her, okay, so what is two plus one? And she was struggling with it. And what I do now is... I ask her, okay, so you have like two popcorns, I give you one popcorn, so how much is two plus one? And you know, slowly we're getting there, but still it's fun. And when she says, okay, you know, daddy, I don't want to play anymore, fine. Not trying to push it. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a very good post where he says how he tried to explain this and how they ended up making this into a game in order to see how math is fun. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember doing stuff like that with my son in the car. And it's funny because if I would ask him a division problem, like, you know, 15 divided by five or something or nine divided by three, he wouldn't be able to answer it. But if I said, okay, if I have nine cookies and I have to give them to three kids, how many cookies does each kid get? He had no problem solving awesome. that. Awesome. Awesome. Do you remember how old was he at the time? No, I don't know. Probably close to six or so. And now he's nine. He likes to do algebra for fun. Like at night before bedtime, instead of uh, story time, like I used to read, read to him, he wants to do algebra problems on the whiteboard. He has an algebra book and he loves it. Awesome. That's awesome. Yes. All right. Oh, so my next link, I actually was going to be my third, but I moved it to the second because of um, what you had said. And you were talking about how if you learn something it kind of has a it opens up a pattern in your brain so when you come across something new it's a little bit familiar and easier to learn and this is called just in case versus just in time learning so just in case would be like hey i learned about this thing let me learn about it just in case i ever need it and just in time would be well i'm not going to waste my time learning stuff i'm not going to use i'll wait until i know i need it and then i'll learn it then and it's about the trade-offs between the two because on the one hand, you may waste your time learning something you don't need to know. On the other hand, if you learn it, you may need something similar later. And having the framework in your head of how it works could be very helpful. Or it could be the case that when it comes time that you need it, you don't really have time to learn it as deeply as you'd need to to be effective with it. So there's, just, there's a lot more stuff in here, obviously. I'm just giving the highest level overview. But it's an uh, interesting uh, thing to think about. Awesome. That reminds me of a book that I read and I can't, of course, remember the title, but the author said for, I'm going to use the term, you know, older people where this, of course, the where older people starts, the age, of course, is 
you can't set an age for that. But anyways, for quote unquote older people, in order for them to learn something, they have to see it as practical for them. They have to immediately see where is this going to benefit them, you know, in their job. If, for example, these are, you know, uh, normal workers that are also getting an additional uh, education in the night or whatever, you know. So, yeah, this is aligned with what you said. So by older people, you mean not children as opposed to definitely, senior citizens. Definitely. From, uh, of course, the book went into why and whatnot. It, this is not for children. Children, by the way, from, again, what I read, up until the age of like, you know, which was actually a surprise for me, up until the age of six, you get to learn the fastest you ever are able to, supposedly. After the age of six, it goes downhill, you know. Because, again, it comes down to the schools, how schools teach our kids. So I think that, again, going back to what you said, I think that it's very important. Even though we have loads of stuff on our plate during the day, I think that if you carve just a few minutes to actually, you know, kind of like see what are they being taught and try to also give them a bigger picture and show them how things can be fun is very important. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, speaking of important and doing something out of your life, uh, the second link is by James Clear. We mentioned him a few times already, and this is one of his older posts, actually. From what I noticed, he tends to now um, repost them because honestly, this is like, uh, how do you call it? Timeless stuff. Anyways, so the title of this one is You Get 25,000 Mornings as an Adult. So here are eight ways to not waste them. Uh, so he calculates, you know, how many days you get if you live kind of like an average life of, he, he mentioned here, 68 years. And when you think about it, 25,000, that's not too much, right? And anyways, you know, he goes into this eight ways how you can get most of your morning out. And I'm just going to list, you know, these eight things. Of course, he goes way deeper into them. And so these are manager energy, not your time. If this is the first time you hear this concept, it will be very interesting for you, right? Um, prepare the night before. This is self-explanatory and it's very good because when you come in the morning and if you start your day not by something that it's already prepared, you will get into the minutia of things, answering to emails and whatnot, and that will you know, not be a good thing. And very interesting thing, which honestly, I tried multiple times, but I can't seem to do it. Uh, the third thing on the list is don't open your email until noon. Uh, I can't say that I'm working on it because I'm not, but uh, more people I see are saying this is, as a good thing. And I believe them that's a good thing. I just don't know how I could actually implement it. So uh, the fourth one is turn your phone off and leave it in another room. Which is also an interesting thing, right? We tend to be on our phones all the time, most of the time, even when we go to the bathroom, because God forbid you would miss something, right? So uh, work in a cool place is the fifth one. Sixth one is sit up or stand up. Uh, I can totally attest to this one. I have a, you know, sit-stand desk, which for all my life I have been sitting and I had back pains and whatnot. Now... As I'm standing up, 
of course not all the time because then again probably all the people who have jobs where they are most of the time standing would be in super healthy state where they are not but for us who tend to be sitting most of the time it's good to stand up every one once in a while right and seven is eat as a blah blah i promise i can english <laughs> i can english uh, the seventh one seven one is eat as a reward for working hard yeah what can i say my problem i eat too much but that's a totally different story and the eighth one so the last one is develop a pre-game routine to start your day anyways i went to like too long into this one very short post by the way but a very concise one as most of you who actually read something by james clear know like he has all my recommendation that you guys can get from me yeah and i've read some of his stuff i haven't read this one but i definitely second the general recommendation of james clear's work all right and my last is called interviewing for potential and for people who hire uh, it's always hard to look at a resume and decide what someone can do based on what they already have done. I Because I got to where I am by giving opportunities I was not qualified for. And that helped me stretch and grow into the role that I'm always in favor of giving someone a little more responsibility than they're really ready for because... That's the best way to encourage people to grow. It's the best way to promote from within and so on. And it's hard to see that in someone. Some people have the motivation and some don't. And here it had some interesting things to look for and some questions you can ask during an interview. Like, for example, uh, why are you better? Sorry, why are you better now at what you do compared to six months ago? And another was, what was the last thing you learned about yourself that you didn't know before? And these are interesting questions, not like the same boring, stupid questions you get in interviews like, tell me a time you had to overcome adversity at work or something like that. So uh, very interesting, especially if you have any input on the hiring process at your company. Awesome. I like that. I'm definitely going to read that one. Okay, so my last link is actually just a link to how we're going to call it. I just... I fear to say JavaScript library because it will be, oh, no, not yet another one, right? Um, so I was at the conference this week and they mentioned, actually, the presentation was on MobX, which is a quote-unquote, I'm just literally reading from the website, simple, scalable state management. And honestly, from what I saw presented there, it really does seem to solve quite a lot of problems and headaches that we used to have on the front-end side. Uh, so definitely check it out. You literally have like a 10 minute walkthrough, which you can go and see what's it all about and basically start using it right away. So it looks cool. Awesome. So that's all for you. That's all what we have for you guys for this week. See you again next week. See everybody. Thank you for listening to the DevThink podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at devthink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. 